you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil in horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Oh, it's Jack Black. Oh, you fucker. <laughs> uh, welcome. You know what? I am. I appreciate that you did a Crypt Keeper voice for this episode because oh one of the first things that jumped out to me when I hit play was, man, the Crypt Keeper's voice changed a lot from the first season to the later yeah, seasons. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, props to John Kassir for, for keeping it going all those years. But yeah, it definitely took a few changes. Up and down, especially as we got into the uh, mid '90s with um, what was it? Demon, Demon, Demon Knight. Demon Knight. Oh my God! Whoa! And we I said love... Demon Wind. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very different thing. Very different thing. Not definitely not as good. I love Demon Knight. Do you like Demon, Demon Knight? Demon Knight's great. I enjoy. I also enjoy Bordello of Blood for I like what Bordello, it is. Bordello for sure. It's just a big dumb movie. Yeah. You know I mean, like, and sometimes. You just want Dennis Leary shooting a super soaker filled with holy water at a bunch of vamp- naked vampires. You do. You like, definitely do. So what is your history with Tales from the Crypt? So I first learned of Tales from the Crypt from the short-lived Saturday morning cartoon Ooh. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. And I love that show but was afraid to watch the real show because I was a scaredy pants as a child. Dude, good call. That show's 
like fucking horrifying. Like I mean, yeah. if you're, if just watching those episodes now, I can see there's some shit that that will fuck you up. Like oh for sure. Definitely. But I did watch one episode. I watched okay. one episode as it aired. They did an episode called The Third Pig, in which Bobcat Goldthwaite played the big bad wolf and it was like a violent retelling of the three little pigs and i loved my cartoons i love bobcat goldplate yeah. so i was like i can give this a shot like what's the worst that can happen and i enjoyed <laughs> it it was it was weird but it didn't like yeah. do any permanent damage to me and that was um, the final episode so right? i didn't know that yeah so here's the thing that was the final episode and i would think about that episode constantly yeah so my freshman or sophomore year of college i'm walking around target mm-hmm and all of a sudden, I see Tales from the Crypt, season one on DVD. Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah. I'm like, I wonder if that's got that animated episode. And it was only like 10 bucks, so I grabbed it. And I watched it, and it didn't have the cartoon episode. But I was like, it's probably in the second season. So yeah. the second season comes out, bought that. Not in there. This this went on for about the first four seasons before I'm like, all right, I got to find out when the fuck this episode Yeah. <laughs> then I find out it's the last episode of the series. But I've come this far, and I'm a completionist, say, so like I'm getting there. the rest. Yeah, but I, I mean, any anthology series, I would say the same thing. I love the Twilight Zone, but like, even the Twilight Zone, there's a lot of misses. Yes, there's a lot of misses throughout, and Tales from the Crypt is is no different. I actually think Tales from the Crypt is one of the few anthology series where it's more like a season miss versus like a specific episode okay. miss. Okay, like. Like, I think season two of Tales from the Crypt is almost a flawless season of anthology stories. But then I also think, like, season six, there's one that's in England. The whole season's in England. Really? And that season just does not do it for me. Like, so I I think it really, like, kind of depends what you're, what you're into. And, yeah. like, now it's just, like, campy ridiculousness. Exactly. I mean, Tales but, from the Crypt, for me... Yeah, I was going to say, what, what is it for you? I've never sat down and watched it all the way through. And, and I always attempt, but I've admitted on this show I'm really bad at TV. I, I if get you really hit, like, dis- two bad episodes in a row, yeah. it really sucks the wind out I of I get sales. really distracted and just, I go on to other things. But I distinctly remember... My dad used to wake me up for school, and I used to go to a Catholic school, so we'd mm-hmm. have to be rolling up in there at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning, and he would wake me up to get ready for school, and it would be on syndication. And I would watch the episode in their room as I was getting ready, because my, I mean, my parents didn't, like, shelter me from anything, so I was always aware of the Crypt Keeper, but I didn't watch the show a lot. But there's one episode that distinctly stuck out to me, and it was the episode where Danny DeVito dates twins and yeah. convinces them that he has a twin. And in the end, they find out that he doesn't have a twin, but they saw his ass in half, and that final scene of them laying with Danny DeVito's like halved body in each of their beds fucked me up for life. It's so gory. Like The stuff that they got away with on this show was so gory. Like, even for HBO, because, like, here's the thing. Like, this is... This is 89. The first season is 89. So this is early HBO. But it's not even just that. Like, I'm thinking, like, yeah, there's some, like, violent, horrific stuff that happens even in modern-day HBO with, like, Game of Thrones. But I don't think that there's ever been something before or after, like, Tales from the Crypt, because it is, like, 
Peter Jackson dead alive level. Yeah, group. and honestly, you know I mean, like it's really insane. And there's something that Teddy and I were kind of picking out a couple weeks ago. We've been going through the the Texas Chainsaw series, mm-hmm. um, and we watched the first one all the way through, and then started watching the second one. And we decided to make dinner while we were about to watch the second one. And I don't know when the last time you watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was, but that movie's fucking gross. Yeah. No, it's a very gross movie. I love that movie, and I can deal with gore, but there's But it's not an eating food while watching. There's there's something about some of that, like, late 80s stuff that, even when it's campy and it's not supposed to be scary— it's fucking gross, dude. I think of like dead, bad taste. Bad, bad taste, taste is one yeah. of those movies where it's like it's just so fucking gross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's there's something about it, even if it looks super fake, doesn't look real. There's something like it's oozy, it's wet, it's always wet, and that oozy's the right word yeah, for it's sure. Oozy, yeah, for sure. But I absolutely adore tales from the crypt i love the the campiness of it they tried to re-release or they tried to uh revive the comic series a couple years back um and it kind of fell flat and uh wasn't that great but i do appreciate the series and i wish it would be picked up for streaming because it's definitely i think it could live another life i think so too for streaming but I think the other thing with it is, like, I think it's hard to bring back, in a sense. Yeah. Because, like, I know that they've tried that, too. But, like you said, like, the 50s comics only really work because it was so intense yeah. for the 50s. And you're never going to match that no. in, like, the 2000s. And I think the same goes with, like, I don't know. I think people would be too quick to bitch that it's, like, the amount of people who bitch about horror movies being funny and thus they're not good, like, yeah, there's gonna be some obnoxious assholes that are like Tales from the Crypt, fuck yeah, like with no understanding of what the show is supposed to be, yeah, and then raising this hoopla about like it's just gory and silly, and it's like that's the that fucking the point. point. Sit the fuck down. But you know what's legitimately creepy in this? Yeah. The fucking Santa mask that they oh had the Crypt Keeper wearing. His eyes in that mask, like, it, they're absolutely perfect. I wish that that was the Crypt Keeper's face, because it's much more horrifying. Oh, than it's the so actual, much creepier. It's than the actual Crypt Keeper. This is so... I just decided to watch the whole first season today when I went to watch this episode, because it's only six episodes. Good choice, though. I you like can the knock first it out. season. It's all right. This episode is one of the better episodes yeah. for sure but i almost feel like its reputation is so strong that it almost takes away from it because it's like this doesn't need like i like this story but this doesn't need to be like 25 minutes no like, it this definitely is... doesn't did you i don't think i've ever seen the movie i have the original movie and i could not yeah. tell you how this plays out in it yeah like, no i just can't get into hammer movies man i want to so yeah. badly and it's like yeah they're gorgeous but i like my eyes just glaze over. Like I put them on and I'm sitting there and I'm staring at it, but I don't retain a fucking thing. Those damn Brits. I can't, (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it, man. But yeah, I don't Um, think I've ever seen it. I own it, but as you and I I have the Blu-ray, Scream Factory gave us a double feature Blu-ray and it's sitting on my shelf. We both own a lot of movies. We've never watched. (laughs) I mean, 
No, I own a lot of movies that I've watched and didn't remember. Yeah, at okay, all. all right. I own they, a lot of movies that I haven't watched yet. They get watched. I just don't retain. I it. watch them eventually. But I do want to say that the best episode of this season is actually the last episode, Collection Complete, where the guy retires and gets sick of his wife's oh random pets, and he taxidermies everything that she, every pet that she has, and then she murders him and taxidermies him onto her couch. If there's anything, I know I said it was the Danny DeVito episode, but if there's anything else that has stuck with me as a kid, it's his taxidermied fucking face. Those yeah. eyes. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Oh my god, dude, it's always the eyes, man. Yeah, I don't know what the, it was when I was a kid. the bulging eyes, yep, the stitched together mouth, and <sighs> the fact that there's like cotton and foam coming out from <sighs> around his face. <sighs> oh, fucking it's, horrifying. It's so horrifying. Uh, but I love it. Like, that's like the one where I'm like, this is what the Tales from the Crypt show is about. Yeah. Like, yeah. like that really can Because this one's almost too tame for for what I think of for Tales from the Crypt. I agree. Rewatching it last night, because I have watched this multiple times. I think a lot of people have. It is very tame. And you're, you're always waiting for it to go that next step. Like, is he going to kill that little girl? Even the Crypt Keeper says at the end, he's like, nope. He, he, he likes older women. Like, and yeah. it's so... So it is very tame. I think Larry Drake is awesome, though. I was going to say, give it up for Larry Drake. Yeah. I mean, it's an iconic episode. And my only big note was, it is really nice to just get to listen to Christmas song in its entirety. Like, that opening is so long. Such a great opening, though. I love... It, you, you open anything with Christmas song, I'm for it. Just let it play. I know. I just There was a certain point where I'm like, there can't possibly be two and a half minutes worth of credits. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So let's kick this off. We open on Christmas Eve. And, you know, Christmas Eve, if there's any time in the world to just murder your husband, I guess Christmas Eve is it, man. There was something that I never picked up before. Is this actually her second husband? Yes, because it's not the girl's dad. Because yeah, because the girl's dad refers to him by his name. And I never caught that before. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, the girl calls him Joseph, says, good night, Joseph. And it is basically, I mean, I would assume that it's 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 her stepdad. And she basically takes a fire poker and, and 
plants it right in his forehead, which is, I think that's a great kind of twist towards this story, which, I mean, I know this was in 89, but we've seen Killer Santa stories up to this point. And I think it was a cool twist that that's not all that's going on here. No, because she would have been fine if she hadn't killed her husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she had the situation locked down. Yep. But then she's like, oh, I need to make it look more like he killed my husband. Yeah. And then that's where shit goes wrong for her. Which I think there's even a way that you can make him look like he killed your husband and then bounce. Like, roll out of there. Like, grab your kid. Once you planted the axe in your husband's head, we're, we're skipping ahead here, but basically, like, it's it's announced on the radio that an insane man in a Santa costume has escaped, and he's going around killing people, and basically, she's not too worried about it until he shows up at her house. So we've got this weird dynamic where the cops are calling and saying they're going to visit just to make sure she's okay, but... Her husband's dead body is also laying out on the front step because she murdered him. So she has to decide, does she want the cops to come and protect her and check on her? Or does she want to get away with murder? And basically we've got that dynamic of her fighting Larry Drake, but also trying to hide her husband's body at the same exact time. At one point, she's able to knock Larry Drake, Santa Claus, out with the back of the axe. And then she goes out front with the axe and is basically like, I'm going to make it look like he murdered my husband. Plants the axe in his forehead. Why she goes back inside and then makes the phone call, I'll never know. The cops are on their way. Yeah, just Scoop your kid and roll out. Or, like you just said, chill. Keep an eye on the body. And when it gets up, then make your move. Did you recognize who the woman is, by the way? Um, Mary Ellen Trainer. I did yeah. recognize her face. So listen, listen to this stacked IMDb credits. First okay. of all, she was the mom in The Goonies. Okay. Then she was the mom in Monster Squad. Oh, shit. <laughs> She's Sean's mom in Monster Squad. She plays Gail Wallens in Die Hard, then was immediately in Scrooge, then immediately in Ghostbusters 2. So she was in three Christmas-themed... <laughs> Movies back to back to back. Dude, she loves Christmas. We should. Is she? Is she alive? I don't want to say. I'll we check. Her Let's nope, see. she passed away in 2015. Oof. Oh wow, that's it's 62. That's not yeah. a good sign. No. Um, appeared in Lethal Weapon two and three and four. Was in Back to the Future two. Was in Death Becomes Her. Was in Forrest Gump. Was in Little Giants, Congo, and the Freaky Friday movie. That's um, right. She played Al Bundy's wife in Little Giants. That's yep. where I know her from in my childhood. Like, that's the one that pops out in my head. It's so wild. Like, I'm looking at this lineup, and I'm like, I have seen almost every single movie. Oh! What? You ready for all of this to make sense? Yeah, go for it. She's Robert Zemeckis's wife. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, of course, she's yeah. she's Robert Zemeckis' wife and was really good friends with Kathleen Kennedy, who worked with Steven Spielberg extensively and served as the president for Lucasfilm. So, like, she just... I mean, she's a good actress. Oh, it's yeah, not she's like, a oh, good actress. But, yeah, she... That makes sense why she was almost exclusively only in heavy hitter films was, like, her husband was one of the biggest directors of the 80s and her friend was, like, 
the head of the biggest yeah. production company of the 80s. So, like, you didn't have to slum it in a bunch of, like, random indie films here and there. I mean, you know who the husband is, though, right? Well, he's, like, the producer of one of the seven producers of Tales from the Crypt. Well, the, 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 oh, no, oh, no, oh no, the no. husband in the... I'm oh, yeah. sorry. I'm like, yeah, I yeah. know who Robert Zemeckis is. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the husband in this. No. That's Marshall Bell. That's Coach Schneider from Nightmare on Elm Street 2. There it is. And yeah, he's, man, man. Another stacked, as I'm looking at this filmography, Freddy's Revenge, Manhunter, Stand By Me. Yeah, dude. Total Recall. Yeah, Total Recall. He, oh, he's Quato. Yeah. <laughs> Total Recall. Twins, Dick Tracy, Oscar. I mean, he's not like starring roles in any of these. No, but I mean. Innocent Blood. Silence of the Hams. Yeah, he is very much a character actor, but I mean, Airheads. Hell yeah, yeah. Man, I wish Airheads was a was technically a, a Christmas movie. Oh I'd my talk god, about that I, would, I could definitely cover a lot when it comes to Airheads. But he's the <laughs> he's the cop. Remember, he's the one that finds out that Brendan Fraser's name is Chester, and he's like Chester. So the ending's fun. The ending is a lot of fun. It's the only line of dialogue that Larry Drake has. Where he goes, Naughty. Oh, nice. So have I, you had the pleasure of meeting Larry Drake? I have never met Larry Drake, and I guess I don't have a chance now. Yeah, unfortunately he has um, passed away. I didn't get a but chance But Dr. To Giggles is like one of my absolute favorite never slasher seen it. films. Never Dr. seen Dr. Giggles. Dr. Giggles is so... You know what? I know we, we keep trying to plan you coming out this way. <laughs> I think Dr. Giggles is in your future. Okay. When you come here. I'm down to watch it. I'm d- Dr. Giggles and cheesesteaks, if we can make that happen, man. I'm for yeah. it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the problem, and we, I mean, we said it early, and it kind of shows in our description of it, too, is like, the setup and the punchline is there, and then it's like, well, what do we do with these other 10 to 15 yeah. minutes that we have? <laughs> like, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, it. there's nothing special about the episode once you get to the meat of it. And it's like just so many killer Santa movies and so many kill like yeah. it's almost a trope that I'm like pretty sick of at this point. Just because like as we learned a couple weeks ago with like American Horror Story, like there's only so many ways to make it interesting anymore. Yeah, like, it's- and I think that's why like as much as you and I talk bad about like better watch out, I appreciate that they tried to do something different with their Christmas horror. There's no shortage of Christmas horror movies, especially in 2021. And I appreciate the ones that do something a little different. And I do like the differences that this had. But by 1989, we still already had too many killer Santa movies. (laughs) Yeah, no. I mean, I think that it's... Honestly, people dying during christmas is a novel enough idea yeah i guess silent night deadly night is the biggest one to blame in a sense um because while like christmas evil existed christmas evil never feels truly like a killer santa movie yeah to me like it's more about like a mentally unstable man who's playing santa but it's not like Silent Night, Deadly Night added this whole element of, like, naughty or nice being a motivating factor in the killer Santa. Yeah. And it's like, ah, like, that's cool the first two or three go-arounds. But, like, how many times can you make that... Like, how you can't make that interesting 20 times. Yeah, and I'd be be curious to... uh, Was that a factor here? 
I mean, because I would maybe Larry Drake's character would have murdered her regardless, and he well, just really liked to say naughty or nice at the end. He knows how to play a, a good like like this is a really great performance of like a borderline mime, yeah, crazy person. Yeah, so so it's it's hard because I don't know what he's like in Doctor Giggles, but Larry Drake has such of an expressive face that you constantly do want him to say something. Oh, he talks a lot. And I'm, I'm very excited for that. And I, and as much as I do like end all through the house, I feel like we almost wasted Larry Drake. No, for sure. You know, we, we wrap it back up. Yeah. That creepy fucking Santa mask is Santa laying on fuck. the ground yep. in the great, in the crypt. Yep. We pan over the crypt keeper and he has a couple zingers. I can't remember any of them. And then, uh, and then we're we get that iconic closing instrumental from Danny Elfman, and the yeah. and the show is done. Are there any other Christmas episodes? I don't think so. Which is weird, especially because this was the second episode in the season, and it came out in June. Yeah. Do you have a favorite episode of Tales from the Crypt? Ooh, a favorite episode of Tales from the Crypt. I don't think so. Here's here's what I'm gonna do, Matt. I'm going to check back in on that. I'm gonna. I think over the Halloween season, I'm gonna watch all Tales from the Crypt. Just something, just something to do, something different that I haven't done before, and I'll report back with my favorite episode. But Matt, dude, have we got a loaded October for these? It's gonna people. be a good one. It's definitely gonna be a good one. And Matt, Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas, Dylan. Whoa. Oh, whoa. listening to the geekscape network you've been lost in the woods for hours now stumbling around in the dark you come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire they see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log welcome to campfire ashes i'm paul and i'm jess join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.